Let the name of the Lord be praised. Let his name be magnified. Let the angels in heaven note the praise of God's people. And let the demons be notified that Jesus is Lord. Come on, bless the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Taking the hand of the person with you, my assignment today is to to prepare you for the table of the Lord in the timing of God the most important meal you've eaten up to this moment because this table this meal opens the door to your future and your destiny so you need eyes to see that Therefore, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. I stand here today to enlarge this auditorium. I stand here today to increase its capacity for the full and the overflowing of your people. And I thank you that you would prepare us as a people as you always have in history. Prepare us to live out, to walk out what you have commissioned us to do. Oh God, make your name great through us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Don't hug each other. Sit down. <laughs> Let us go to, um, let's begin in, in uh, Exodus. Chapter 12. Not unfamiliar, having spoken about this just recently. I bring up before you again, may you pull up your movie reel and play this movie over in detail in your mind as you look at the scripture and as you hear the word of the Lord and, and I, I'm asking the Lord to help you to understand what you're looking at, what you're listening to and what you're seeing is actually yourself you're in 12 Exodus chapter 12, are you there? good verse 1 Now the Lord said to Moses, he said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, where are they? I'm asking the question. They're in Egypt. You should note that. They're in the land of Egypt. And then the Lord says, this month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to 
be the first month of the year to you. So God is actually adjusting their very concept and their timetable. He's setting their year. This month begins a year for you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel and this is what you say. On the 10th of this month, you are each one to take a lamb for you themselves according to their father's household. A lamb for each household. For if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them, according to what each man should eat. You are to divide the lamb. Note um, this meal the Lord's preparing them for. He said, this lamb that you get is to be divided according to what every man's normal eating habits would be so that everybody has their full. Verse 4 says, Now if the household is too small for a lamb, if you're in a household that's too small and you can't eat the whole thing, or you don't have a lamb to eat, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them, according to each according to what each man should eat. You are to divide the lamb. Notice he's very specific about this lamb they are to take is to be divided. Why? Because every person in that house was to have his full. Their eating of that lamb was preparation for their journey. Their taking of that lamb prepared them in physical nourishment so they wouldn't die along the way, so they wouldn't die as they go to their destiny. So every person, big or small family, was to be sure they were in an environment. No, it was, there was no excuse for any of them this command made room for everybody, no matter what their condition was. Large or small, divorced or not, single or not, married with a whole lot of children. Didn't make any difference. Everybody was to be provided for. And then he said, if the household's too small, get in a house where you can get what you need. And then God through Moses said, "Here's I want to give you some dimensions or some qualifications about this lamb you get. Your lamb shall be unblemished. Shall be a male. Thank God he knows the difference. Unblemished a male of a year old. You may take it from, then he says, a sheep or from the goats. 
you shall take it until the 14th day of the month, of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel, everybody is to do this together. Kill it by twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the, of the blood is that what your is that what your scripture is that what your Bible says? You'll take some of the blood and put it on the doorpost and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat. They shall eat the flesh that same night, roast it with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread, bread that's not puffed up and add bitter herbs to it. This is gonna be a flatbread bitter deal. It don't sound like, it don't sound like Pizza Hut to me. Sounds like a really strange meal. I didn't see seasonings. Anybody see seasoning on it? Well, it, you know, it, it did say <laughs> bitter herbs. So I guess you might want to call herb seasoning. I guess you can. But they weren't the kind we like. Come on, shout out your favorite seasoning. Come on, help me right now. Who? Kind. Kinders. Somebody said Lowry. Season all, somebody said. Who? Complete. Soul food. Is that the name of it? Have mercy, Jesus. Spike. Look at your neighbor said, if this meal you had to eat, y'all would be in trouble. Amen. Interesting, our appetites today have been shaped and changed. Don't know that this would be a very savory one for most of us. But maybe if we can understand a little closer, maybe you'd be the first one to finish. Roast it with fire and eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Verse 9 says, do not, do not eat any of it raw. Have mercy. Now, those who like your steak bleeding, you got a problem today. Do not eat it raw or boiled. It says, do not eat it, do not, excuse me, do not eat of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roast this with fire. Now, you outdoor cookers, you, you probably are, you all right with this. Only problem is they're on the inside. They can't be on the outside. This got to happen inside the house, and I don't know any smokers that do well on the inside of the house. One thing about it, this meal was not for taste. This meal was for life. Are you still reading with me? You shall eat the bread that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not, do not eat any of it 
do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire, both its head, Lord have mercy, and its legs, some of y'all happy about pig feet, and, 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 and along with its end, what? Have mercy. And you shall not leave any of it over until morning. This might be the longest meal you've ever had. But whatever, have you ever seen your children sitting at the table that just refuse to eat? Some of you mamas need a little help and training with that. They just refuse to eat, put the meal out there, baby sitting there, everybody's eating, the baby sitting there. I don't like it. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, what did those mamas do about this at that time? My mom used to make us sit there until we ate it. But be that as it may, you shall not leave any of it overnight until morning. But verse 10 says, but whatever is left of it until morning, you shall burn it with fire. Now you shall eat it in this manner. Eat it with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it with haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Wow. I've rehearsed this meal with you before today. I'd like, I'm asking the Lord to give you your understanding to what it is we're really doing here and the time and the season in which we live right now. As the Lord directed his people to prepare this meal the way he wanted, everything had meaning and purpose in it. And who is it who's eating? Who are these people who've been directed to eat this meal, commanded. Well, are these not the slaves? Are these not Abraham's children? For 400 generations, 400 years, more generations than that, but for 400 years, generation after generation, in slavery, not having command of their lives, constantly under somebody else's orders, living a life of subservience. It's a redefinition of poverty. Living with no hope of the future. You know, when you go for a few generations, everybody gives up. You don't believe that? Look in the ghetto. We got people today still saying, well, you know, you know, if you really was down, if you really was down, you'd stay here with us. Why? Wow. 
Nobody in their right mind would call a pitiful living situation great just because you're the same color. Who's eating this meal? Slaves. Hopeless. No aspiration. No dreams. From sunup to sundown, their life is ordered. From the moment they opened their eyes, they had to prepare themselves to be hollered and screamed at, whipped, and maybe even killed. Constantly under somebody's performance watch, continually being judged by those over them that which they have no power over. It's horrible. And they cry and they and, and they and they cry out. Some have a memory, a faint memory of the stories before they were ever enslaved. But that's all they had. Most of them have forgotten who they are. Some have a memory. That's all they had. A memory of some kind of promise that maybe someday Look, if I read the scriptures right, they don't have a priestly order as they were slaves. If my memory is correct, none of them were taking the position of spiritual leaders, giving them direction and understanding as to what God was saying. Though they had remembered their, their lineage in, in terms of where what tribe they were, they had that. They kept the lineages. They kept the ledgers about who was born to whom. But in terms of deliverance or a different kind of life, look, if you go up generation after generation after generation after generation after generation doing the same thing, you don't have any hope for something different. The only fame they had is that they were Pharaoh's bee. Do you understand me? They were Pharaoh's pocketbook. They were used by the government to get anything the government wanted. And you ain't nothing but a thing. They have no status. slaves so when this when this when when this Moses comes and this is very interesting by the way here this these slaves for 400 years and just just can I say it this way just across the creek their deliverer was being trained 
I mean, just, just a stone's throw from Goshen, the land in which they settled, into proper Egypt, their deliverer was being trained. They didn't know it. They, they, were, they were hopeless. So when Moses comes on the scene, they are, they, they, they are shocked. In fact, they're like this. As, as people are who, you know, if you are uh, confronted by somebody who looks like you, doesn't walk like you, has a different posture, different, different view of themselves, telling you I'm going to lead you, most people are skeptical. So God had to perform some very powerful things to get their attention. Without rehearsing all 10 plagues, you can read that for yourself, all the things that God did to convince these slaves that I'm, I, I heard you when you were hollering and screaming. I heard you when you were in the pit. I heard you when you were in your room. I heard you when you were in that, what you thought was a quiet place. I heard you crying out. I see your condition. I know it's utterly impossible for you from your point of view but I heard you. Because when you read the first of, of Exodus, you'll see that the cry of God's people went up and he heard them. And here's the way it says in, in chapter 1. He says, the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. They had growth and increase because of affliction, not because of prosperity. And the Bible says, I heard you. And here's my answer. And after the ten plagues, or after the nine plagues, rather, we're up to nine right now at this portion in the scripture, Moses leaves Pharaoh's house and he says, okay, Pharaoh, look, I'm, I'm telling you, dude, and you read this for yourself. I'm, I'm Johnsonizing it for you right now. But in the meeting, he said, Pharaoh, look, you've you seen what God's done. You see your country's nearly destroyed. Let the people go. Then Pharaoh went off. I'll be blank that blank that blank if I let these people go. Read it. You see it's, it's in there. You, you know it. You see it. Moses said, okay, dude. I, in fact, if you read carefully, you'll see Moses pronounces his own fate, his own fate. He pronounces his own fate on himself when he railed at Moses and essentially cursed at God. And Moses and Aaron, they turned their back and they walked away. And, he, and, and by the way, Pharaoh says, anybody see the, the king of, the uh, prince of Egypt? If I ever see your face again, I'll kill you. But Pharaoh said to Moses, Moses said, you just pronounced your own faith. Wow. 
Moses went back to the people and in this chapter right here, chapter 12, is what he said for them to do. Look at verse 13. The blood, he said, what I want you to do, uh, verse 12, excuse me, verse 12. For, uh, this is 12 and 12. For I will, <laughs> here's what the Lord is saying. I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and I, and, and I will strike down all the firstborn underline that in your Bible or highlight it in your phone. I will strike down the firstborn of the land of Egypt. Both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt. Check that out. God is being very specific. All them stupid things they believe in. By the way, in case you don't know that, if you'll open your eyes and just read a little bit, you'll see, you'll see that God Almighty is slapping down all these fake gods that have been pushed on us in the media. Every one of them. Just won't go into that today. The blood, he says, he says for I will go through the land of Egypt, strike down the firstborn, and I'm going to... And, Against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Have mercy. Now, underline I am the Lord because I want you to don't miss this. What God is doing to Pharaoh, you're acting like I exist below you. In fact, one of the encounters with Moses and, and uh, Aaron, Pharaoh had enough nerve to say, who is God? You know, there are a lot of folks who are mocking God today. I see some of them on social media. One of them just recently got on, on the, got on the, uh, in the stand before the world, world some world congress, and, uh, and, and, and railed against Israel, and railed against Jehovah, and when he shut his mouth, he died on the spot. And they got it on camera. Tapping him and say, don't mess with God. Now some, he has mercy on. He said, well, you're just ignorant. You're just ignorant. I'm going to give you a shot. Some, he ain't playing with them. So God said, I am the Lord. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm, I, I'm going to come against all the gods. I'm going to derail all of them. I'm going to defunct all of them. Oh, yeah. Not only am I going to do that, I'm going to strike down. You know, this is, this is like, Lord God, what brings, what condition comes to the place where God says, I'm going to strike it down. You, if we understand who God is, all he has to do is say the word. Then he said this. Are you still there? The blood, verse 13, says, the blood, get this in your spirit, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are to live. Where, where you live, the blood is going to be a sign where you live. The blood applied, the blood applied to that house will be a sign, are you there? Will be a sign where you live. And when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. My judgment will come right past you. 
No plague will befall you. No plague will come to destroy you when I strike down. This is the Lord speaking to, to Moses. When I strike down the land of Egypt. Excuse me. I, I, I think it, it brings up the fear of the Lord in me when I think about God would judge a situation where he feels he knows he's got to strike it down. Because if he's decided to do that, you can forget it. I mean, the only place I can think of that he, held, he halted some was Sodom and Gomorrah. Because, he, because Abraham was pleading with God. Abraham's relationship with God was, God, please, my relatives are there, please. If you can just find, you know, t 10, 20. If you can just find, well, I think he started with 40 or 50, 10. Is that what he, did he go that way? And then he said, if I can, Lord, look, if you just find 10, will you spare the city? And the Lord said, okay, you're Abraham, you're my friend. Um, we're in covenant together. Um, I, I'm no longer Yahweh. I will also be known as the God of Abraham. <laughs> that's, how I'm, that's how people going to know what God you're talking about. You know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God said, I'm going to fully identify. God said, can I put it this way? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to marry this situation. Have mercy. I'm going to change your name from Abram to Abraham, and I'm going to change my name as the God of Abraham. Isaac. Lord, have mercy. Because we, you know, we won. We're there. Lord, if you can find just 10, would you spare the city? Okay, okay, Abraham, I'll do it. I'll, I'll spare it. I'll spare the city if I can just find 10. God went there. He didn't even find 10. Are y'all hearing me? Read the story. He sent the two angels. He couldn't find 10. But because he had a relationship with Abraham, he, he got his relatives, got them all out. He said, y'all, come on, get out of here. Go now. Now, get out. Lot's wife talked about, do we really have to go my home, my beautiful home? I got four stories. I got curtains on the window. I got pictures on the wall. I got my new, from my new carpet. Oh, yeah, right. Get out of here. God is about to strike this place. Now, you know the story. They got out. They barely got out. And unfortunately, she didn't get out because what was there was in her. So she didn't get out. She turned around looking back, and you know the story. But God is serious when he says, I'm going to strike this. One of the things that brings up the fear of the Lord in my heart is the, the condition of our nation. What we have allowed as foolishness and evil. What we have laughed at as not funny to God. What we have allowed is, is God's, God's judgment is upon what we've allowed. And when judgment comes, there's a period of time until it actually manifests. If God prolongs judgment, he's giving people an opportunity to change their mind. To think differently. In our nation, beloved, as we prepare for this meal, our nation, Lord help us. A few, Sunday, a few days ago, about three days ago, there was a day of repentance in Washington, D.C. Many, many church leaders, many national leaders, even leaders from our own government were there in prayer meeting 
repenting for the sins of our nation. And if you read what they if you read what they read, you would find out that those sins come down to your doorstep. And they were in their heart with brokenness and contrition. And as those leaders were standing there, I'm, I'm watching them. You can, you, you can still get this, by the way. You can still see that whole prayer meeting. Um, my my uh, secretary, Sharon, has a link. I'm sure Neil can put it in our, in, our, um, in our church app, and you can go there and you can see it. And they're standing there weeping. No, it's not a celebration. It's not celebration at all. They're weeping because they know they know God's heart. They know God's way. And the Lord has been merciful to us. How many can say he's been merciful to me? You, you, uh, everybody is born. Everyone has that sense of what is right and what is wrong. God, he understood, if I don't section out my people, if I don't find a way to protect them, they will perish with my judgment because they are guilty of the same things Egypt is guilty of. I got to go back and say that again since you didn't take that very well. God had to tell them what to do to protect themselves against his own wrath and judgment because the same sin that was in Egypt is the same sin that they were in. They didn't know God. They were not special because of the blood in their veins. And he had made a promise to Abraham. And even though he had made a promise to Abraham, all flesh is the same before the righteousness of God. Just because they were born a Jew did not mean they were automatically saved. Y'all need to get that in your head today. Just because their mama and their daddy went to church does not mean they are exempt from the judgment of God. God had to figure out how do I keep my promise I made more than 400 years ago to Abraham about what I told him I would do. How do I keep my promise and, and, and judge Egypt? How do I do that? Because really, if my judgment is, is absolutely correct and I run across all human flesh, everybody's guilty of sin. Everybody stands in judgment because sin is not just I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't run with those that do and I don't screw and I yeah you know the reason why you get these detailed descriptions of this lamb God is giving us a powerful illustration of his grace and his mercy and he's telling them Really, they, and you, you find this later once they get out of Egypt. You know, the sin in Egypt, that stubbornness, that refusal to obey God is the same sin in, same sin in Goshen. They were not righteous because they were slaves. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? 
Like some people like to propose that if you're poor, somehow, you, somehow, you're, somehow you're righteous if you're poor. And if you're rich, you're evil. Who told you that foolishness? What judgment are you talking about? You must be talking about your own judgment. Because in heaven, God judges the whole world by who he is. By his standard of righteousness and holiness and goodness and truth. So why this lamb? Well, because had that lamb not been provided by God's word, had it not been provided for them and covered them, what God was bringing, remember he said, the, the angel's going to come to every house, every family, every person. I have to tell you, my my beloved brothers and sisters whom I love in my heart. There now must be a separation, a difference between you and those who are not his. And that difference is not in the color or the shape or the kind of clothes you're wearing. That difference is not with the hairstyle you're wearing. That difference is about your heart and your relationship with God. And so he says to them, you take this lamb and you eat this lamb. You eat it. You eat it. If it take you all night to eat it, eat it. Consume all of it. Yeah, it's not going to taste good. It ain't supposed to taste good. It ain't good to you. It's going to be good for you. Are you there, saints? Because that lamb, and, by, and don't forget that that blood that came out of that lamb, you had to take that lamb's life. It's a substitute for your life. I'm, I'm going to allow you to live, and I'm not talking about just exist. I'm going to allow you to, to, to I'm going to allow you to live in my presence by taking the life of this animal and apply it to, to where you live. Ooh-wee. I, I said it yesterday morning to the, the believers I was speaking to yesterday. Notice it. He said, I want to get every one of them, get, in, get them in the house. And, and, and this is symbolic, of course. Obviously, Old Testament to New Testament. We talk about in the house. We're talking about, obviously, the people of God, the church. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about his physical people. I want to say this to you. It's time now. It's time now. When we take this meal today, I want you to receive, I want you to receive the commission and the power to get all your family members in the house. And I'm not just talking about this congregation, but get them among the people of God. It's time for them to be saved. It's time for them to turn around. And I don't care how ugly they, I don't care how bad, no matter what comes out of their mouth, no matter what lifestyle they live, no matter what gender they call themselves, I want you to know that right now, when, when, when he said, make sure you get in the house, you, I want you to know you, God's giving you a, an authority to pray for them so God can release his power and anointing over them so they will come to Jesus. But they're not coming until you put forth the effort. 
Somebody got to pray for them. Somebody's got to draw them. Are you there, saints? If, I want you to stand up if you've got children. Stand up if you've got children who are outside of the grace of God. Stand up if you've got kids that are not living the life of Jesus. And, and if he came to this very hour, they would be lost forever. And as you stand up, I need you to know that, that there are others and many in the body of Christ that's at the same situation. I'm going to tell you there's a grace that God is releasing from heaven. And you must appropriate that grace in the same way that they had to appropriate that lamb and, and season that lamb. Well, put them bitter garlics and bitter herbs on it and eat that thing. Then tell you, well, why? Because this is saving me, saving my household and saving where I need to go. Lift your hands to the Lord. I want you to ask the Lord for the grace right there where you stand. Ask the Lord for the grace. Ask him, ask him for the, the wisdom. Ask him for the compassion, not the judgment. Ask him for the words that need to be prayed for them. Have enough of the love of God in your life that you be willing to expend yourself before God to be sure they're in the house. Because I'm telling you, judgment is coming. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Heavenly Father. Would you grant it in the name of Jesus Christ? Would you grant that grace on them, every one of them, that, that we begin now in our intercession for them? And I thank you for the fruit that will come. I thank you for the lives that will be turned around. Oh, I, I bless your name for it. Clap your hands if you receive that in the name of Jesus. You may be seated. In verse 13, he, he said, this, uh, the reason why he uses the word pass over is he was referring to the powers that are released by God to bring judgment over sin, upon sin. And, and this thing is relentless, and it is personal. In fact, he didn't kill everyone. He only killed the firstborn. Because the first is so important to God. Unfortunately, the body of Christ, we've been ignorant about first things. And the importance of first things. We don't understand the principle of priority and importance. It's paramount for you to come into your destiny, to come into all that God wants. you got to understand that. God's animate about it. And now you know the story. Now, verse 14, this day will be a memorial to you, and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. And then he describes what I want the celebration to be like. And by the way, if you read 15 and 16 and 17, <laughs> the Lord said, I want it to be a celebration. I don't want it to be a funeral. I want it to be a celebration. Because at the same time, 
the fear of the Lord descends upon the nation of Israel and, the, and, the, and death descends upon Egypt. He didn't kill everybody in Egypt. He just killed their future for a while. So he took the firstborn because the firstborn, you'll read later that the Lord said, Pharaoh, I told you to let my people go. And here's the word. Israel is my firstborn. You're not going to let my firstborn go? Guess what I'm going to do to your firstborn? You think the first is not important to God? Oh, my God. Are y'all still breathing that thing? Look at verse 22. You shall take a, a hyssop branch and dip it in the blood which is in the basin and apply some of the blood. This is the blood from the from the sacrifice, from the animals that they sacrificed. You shall take that hyssop. Uh, the word hyssop is very important. It's that little branch. Actually, looks like little paint brushes. It grows. It still grows to this very day. And uh, you take, 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 pick, we, used to, we used to see something like that in California in the fields. It, it looked like little bristles. And we said, take that hyssop and, 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 and put it in the blood. And uh, I want you to paint the, the, the doorpost and paint the lintel of the door. Now, I thought that was interesting because if I paint the doorpost and I paint the lintel, it looks like a cross. You think God wasn't prophesying or saying something? Take some of the blood, doorpost, put it there. None of you shall go outside the door of his house until morning. Are you all there? So the Lord passed through and smote the, the Egyptians. And uh, when he's, he's <laughs> for the Lord will pass through, the, through to smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will do what? He will, that's verse 23, will do what? Only the saints pass over. And, you will, and he will not allow the destroyer to come in to your houses and to smite you. He will not allow the destroyer to come in to your house. And many of you have done that. You've allowed the destroyer to come into your house. I want to tell you something. If you are a family and you got hell going on in your house, it's because you have not applied blood. If you have a household that's full of hell and argument or silent killing, do you understand what I'm saying? Nobody's talking. You have allowed the destroyer to come into your place. One reason why the body of Christ is in such pain right now is because we have not followed this simple direction and applied it to 2024. We have not taken the blood of our lamb. Jesus is the lamb of God. We have not taken his blood and we have not applied it to every situation in our households. That time has come. 
God never intended you to live in hell in your own house. Tell your neighbor, he said, he's talking to you. <laughs> he's talking to you. He never, he never wanted you to live in a hellish place. You're not a slave without hope. You have not, God didn't call you to live in your house. And you got one little child. Everybody walk around that child on, on tiptoes because that child hell. That's not the household God called you to. God never even called you to live in a household where the, where the, where the, the head of the household, where the father, you know, he's always angry, always peeled, always on edge. So when he disciplines the kids, he does so way beyond what is necessary. He freaks out and then he shuts off. Your mama has to make excuses for him. Lord, help me right now. <laughs> God never intended you to live in a household where the mother in the house is the controlling bee of the whole house. Mama gonna get mad. What is that? Is it quiet? Mercy. This is not, you are not a slave. You are not without hope. You're not without a savior. You're not without a future. God, God wanted, what he, he, here's what's his plan. I'm going to get these slaves out of Egypt and I'm going to transform them so every one of their households People, all the nations around them are going to covet what they have. In fact, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to deliver them and God is going to make his name great among the nations because of the people that he's dealt with. I woke up with the question, how great can God make his name through your life? My Lord have mercy. How great can God make his name through your life? Brothers, we got some applying, we got some work to do through the blood of Jesus. You know why people don't come to Jesus? Us. They don't come to Jesus because of a, of a fictitious they don't come to Jesus because of a fictitious uh, attitude or concept they have of Jesus. The concept they have of Jesus is the concept they have of us. We're the problem. They heard you hollering next door. They did. They done put the glass to the... <laughs> they heard you cussing each other out. They saw you storm out the house, slam that car door. No, no, no. I know you ain't right. I'm right myself. You what? <laughs> they know it's bad. They know you got it screwed up at home. 
They know you need a lamb. They need, you need a lamb for your house. You need blood covering your house, covering the heart of the people in that house because it changes you. God said, you know, if you, if you, 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 I'll bless your bread and your water and I'll drive sickness far from you. So in, your, in, the, in the houses of my people, they're not going to be ravaged by sickness. or mental illness. Because the God that we serve restores you completely, saves you utterly, removes what removes your oppressor from you, identifies your enemy and kicks him out. Lord have mercy. Are you guys breathing? Okay, we got to go. Um, so, all my tech people, make sure our little clock is working okay. Is that all right? Make sure that red clock is working so I can look up there. That's why I came up here. I came up here. I want to see that red clock. Because I fired that long-winded preacher that we've been preaching for the last several weeks. I tell them, you can't work here no more. <laughs> okay, so, so let's move on with this meal. Because Jesus, before Jesus, before he physically left us, he said to his disciples, knowing this was in lieu of his, in the light of his crucifixion that was about to happen, he, this meal they'd always eaten together as a tradition. And it was always one of their favorites because this is when the Lord would open his heart, he would share with them. It was, it, was, it was the kind of, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together. It's like the oil that runs down the head of Aaron all down into his hair. It's a beautiful thing. It smells beautiful. Aroma. That's, that's, that's that picture in the Old Testament about that psalm. It's like what it was to be around this circle with Christ. This time he changes it. He changes it. He said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. When you drink it, remember me. This bread is my body, which is broken for you. When you eat it, remember me. See, what happened, what happened to the people of God in Egypt was for our understanding. So we could know what is happening now. So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 28, it says, by faith we kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. The judgment of God does not come to your house to your family that has no right 
when blood is applied. If, if T. Garlington had not understood this process, she would not have prayed, God, you promised me when her son is laying dead in a, in a, in a, in a bag zipped up. It's her house. She cried to God about what he's promised. God, you promised me. And, 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 and then she heard his voice crying inside the bag. He had to unzip the bag because her son was still alive. Or had come alive. Either way you want to look at it. Because he didn't have no heartbeat when they put him in that bag. It's her right. Powerful and great and mighty is God to save your household because of his great and his awesome love for you. He will do it, but you must follow the instructions. Hebrews picks the whole theme up again, talking about, and we talk about the chapter of faith, chapter 11 of Hebrews, talks about what it is to believe God. And it gives you live examples by faith, they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing on dry ground and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned and they were no more. By faith, the walls of Jericho came down after they had encircled it for seven days. So, I'm going to do what God did symbolically for them. He came down. He called his servants Moses. Moses and Aaron. And he delivered a message of deliverance to the people. In fact, I want you to resensitize yourself, your hearing, to blood. I'd like to suggest that those of you who take serious God and his call on your life, that you would immerse yourself back in the prayers concerning the blood. And if you don't have them, you let us know and we'll get them to you. And apply that blood. Hyssop represents your tongue. You apply the blood to that situation. They overcame him, Revelation chapter 12. They, us, overcame him, that's the devil. How? By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And no matter what happened to them, they didn't love their life, even when they're faced with, with death. This is the time. And Jesus said, this is the cup of the new, of the new, this is the cup of, of the new covenant in my blood. And those of you that have no understanding of what covenant is, there's no such thing as a covenant without blood. Blood, see, life is in the blood. And that's why it's important to understand that as he allows, as he, as he, chooses not to exercise his, his power and authority. He chooses not to and he allows them to nail him to that cross. He does so for you. And thank God for me. To cover 
to wash away, to eliminate our sin. So God says, my judgment is, is sure. My judgment is true. We've been praying about his terrible wrath. It's true. But his love, hallelujah. His love covers and supersedes his judgment. That's why, church, if we have ever cried out to God to help us now, if you've ever needed to believe God, not only that you are saved, but that you can fulfill his purpose, you need to do it now. No way Israel could have ever fulfilled their destiny had God not let them out of the chains of Egypt. He got them out from Egypt and then he had to bring them in to their inheritance. It's like the church today is suffering because some of, some, some of God's people are still in the desert. They still haven't decided to completely obey him. Jesus said, this is my, the cup of the, of the new covenant in my blood. Drink, when you drink this, remember what a, what a word, remember me. Remember what I've done for you. Remember my almost unspeakable sacrifice. And he, he says remember it because our sin comes because of our bad memory. Are you all there? There's no way to truly worship God without a memory. Because part of worshiping God is knowing what he's delivered you from when he did it. This bread, he said, is my body. And it was flat like this. It, it didn't have any uh, yeast in it. It was flat bread. You know why it's flat bread? It was symbolic of the heart. You're not puffed up and proud about nothing because you didn't do this yourself. You didn't accomplish this yourself. It's not because you're so good, like, you know, you know, I, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't screw and I don't run with those that do. Lord, they're the worst. God has a harder time with them than anybody else. Because their own personal righteousness, their own personal view of themselves, their own personal conceited, puffed up idea about who they are outside of God is the very thing that keeps them on the path they're on. I'll tell you when you know you're saved. When you know, when you know, when you've come to the place that you know I am nothing. I am guilty. I deserve the punishment. Until you come there I'm sorry, my friend, you have not gone through that narrow gate. You do not know who he is, not really. Until there's been a conviction over you about the thing that caused his crucifixion, that came from your life, until you are aware of that, and until you are choosing to be sorry, it's, it's actually be more than sovereign, sorry. It's, you, 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 because of your love for him, you hate that thing. And your flesh may even cry out for that thing, but in your heart you hate that thing because of what it does to him. Ooh, ooh The assurance of your salvation is in your heart. If you believe in your heart, 
God raised him from the dead. You believe in your heart that he was crucified for you. You shall be saved. With your heads bowed, the bowed head is kind of a sign. It, it actually, historically, the bowed head is a sign of subservience or it's um, contrition. When your heart is broken, usually your head's not up. If you truly mean what you mean what you mean, proud about that. The Apostle Paul said, when you eat this meal, wait on each other. Let hearts be clear. Everyone under the sound of my voice, you know it's between you and God. And by the way, for those of you that are wrestling with this, there are some things that you have done that demand a response from you, from God. For example, some things you've done in injuring other people. Uh, there's a requirement for you to go and get that right. This is not, if I've ever done anything to you, please, just spare, just spare me. Just shut up. If I've ever, if I've, if I've, if I've ever done anything, you know, you, you know, I want you to just, just forgive me if I ever done something, you know, if I've done something. Well, Negro, you know what you, you know, I really want to say, right? You, you, you know what you did. You know, because you wouldn't be talking like that if you didn't. When the Holy Spirit shows you that this is not right, that this is the way families get right. This is the way joy comes back into the household again. This is the way that the light comes where there was where there was darkness. This is where healing comes in where there was sickness. When you get that thing right, the word is called repentance. It's a turning in your heart. Look, it's 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 not just I'm sorry. It means I hate this. By the way, usually when you when you have to do that, it breaks your own heart when you have to do that. And humble yourself before somebody and get it right. But see, if you're going to take this meal, if you're going to take this cup, if you're going to take this bread, then you need to understand what Jesus said about this. And understand what, what the Lord spoke to the Apostle Paul when he wrote it to the Corinthians. Many, when you take this thing unworthily, see, with the wrong attitude, you know, many drink this and eat this damnation to themselves. Many are weak, many are sick, and some are dead. This is a heart issue. Some of you need to, to, to declare before the Lord that I'm going to make, you know what? I mean, you know, the Holy Spirit, He is so incredible. He will bring back every word you said. How many raise your hands? I hope you're right. He'll bring back the scene 
before you. He'll play the scene back for you. Okay, you want to play that game? Ask him, Lord, if I've done anything wrong to anybody, show me. I want to tell you something. He will be in your face. You know that conversation you had? You know what you forgot that you didn't do it and you didn't even ask for forgiveness because you forgot it? You remember that pain you caused? That this is, this is, this becomes a stuff of which salvation is made of. When you're making it right. Today, the reason why I'm speaking this way to you because I have a, I have a profound awareness that of this day, the Lord opens up like he opened up to Egypt and they got out of there. When he said it's time, it was night when they ate that lamb. But when morning came and the wailing was wailing, they, they said, get, and they said, the ones wailing said, get out, get out, get out, get out. Go away from us. We don't want you here. See, God, God was setting them free. They had their clothes on, their staff in their hand. They were, they were dressed and packed, and they got out of there. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, great God Jehovah delivered his people. Just like he delivered you. Before we take this communion together, I ask you again, I'm going to ask you this question several times by the grace of God in the next few days. How great can God make his name through you? How great can God make his name through you? How, to what extent are you willing to obey God? Are you a candidate? Are you just here for the loaves and the fishes? Are you a candidate? Lord, Lord, make your, make your name great. When God makes his name great towards you, uh, through you, I promise you, you're not, you're not, you're not jumping right on top of Yeah. I mean, you, you're not strutting. When God makes his name great through you, you're like, oh, my God. Hold that thought. I'll pick it up next week. How great is God? How great can God make his name great through you? for this cup and the cup that we drink today as your blood shed for us. You said it is. And we say, so be it. I offer this bread as your flesh. You said this bread is my flesh. So we speak this now to be so. It is your flesh that we take. And we, we remember we choose to dwell on paint the picture of what you did for us so by that we may be strengthened we may be directed we may be successful we thank you for it in his mighty name Jesus all God's people said amen